Here we are together in a Christmas series and in 2022. Man, isn't that just incredible to think about what God's done in your life and my life and how he's brought us all here together. Um, and we, we work toward the, the end of this year. And I think the most important thing we can focus on is that is Jesus' presence with us, that he came into this world. Uh, and, and from that point, even our calendar hinges upon it. And so we're excited this morning um, as we get into this series called The Original Christmas Cast, where we're going to take a character each Sunday and just look at a passage of Scripture and talk about their story, learn from this person, and, uh, and we'll build up to Christmas morning. As a reminder, we'll only be doing one service on Christmas morning at 11. Uh, we'll just do it together as one big family, um, and, it'll, and the kids will just stay in here with us. It's just going to be a really special time, okay? So we invite you to come out uh, for that. But this morning we're looking at Joseph, uh, a man of action. There's, uh, you've seen times in your life that, that, and I've done this as a parent, I'll do this, we've got a preteen almost, she'll be 13, um, uh, she'll be 13 this week, Wednesday, uh, our daughter, and so she has a phone, and so I'll do this so many times, I'm like, Rosie, put your phone up, put your phone up, and we try to set boundaries and keep time. And as I say that, I'm on my phone many times, okay? So as a parent, you may be able to relate to this, that, that, uh, or, or sometimes you might have a boss or a manager at work that says, I need you here every morning at 8 o'clock. You've got to be here at 8 o'clock. And every morning, that same manager comes in at 8.30 or 9 o'clock. And, and we're reminded of this, these old adages. One says, you know, more is caught than taught. That's something to remember as a parent. They're going to see your actions and see the way you live and see the things you do, and they're going to take more than that from the words that you say. Um, or, or we might hear the saying as it relates to a preacher, you know, a sermon is so much better lived than preached. Have you heard that? And all of you said amen about Jared on that one. Would much rather see you live it than hear you talk for 30 minutes. Um, but really what I'm getting to the heart of is that actions, and Abraham Lincoln was the one that kind of coined this phrase this way. It says, actions speak much louder than words. You've heard that. Uh, you've experienced it. You've seen it in your own life. Somebody say one thing, but their actions tell a totally different. What we see here with Joseph is a, is a story and is an example of that. What, what's incredible, Matthew and Luke share this story. Joseph is Jesus' dad, if you didn't know that. That's the Joseph we're talking about. Um, and, uh, and so Matthew and Luke share this story of the Christmas story. Matthew more so talks about from Joseph's perspective. What's cool to me is that neither one of them have a quote from Joseph. We don't know one word he said. It tells me that the actions, the things that Joseph did spoke way louder than anything he said. And, and so we're going to look at his story here. We're going we're to take uh, uh, some time because the truth is you can tell way more about someone's heart and their intentions by their actions rather than the words that they speak. Now that feels really good to point at other people and say, I know your heart. What I want you to spend 30 minutes this morning with me thinking about is do my actions line up with my words? Do your actions line up with your words? How can we take these lessons from Joseph 
and apply it to our life. Some background real quick on Joseph that I think is important to just have some, some context as we jump into the story. Um, uh, his, his father was Jacob. He was, uh, his hometown was Bethlehem in Judea, uh, but he lived in Nazareth in, in Galilee. Uh, that meant, you know, you know the story, when Joseph and Mary, they have to go for the census back to Bethlehem, anywhere from 70 to 90 miles. Anybody travel for Thanksgiving this week? Go see some family somewhere? Got a few? Anybody travel 70, 90 miles more, more than that? Anybody travel more than that? Got a few? Anybody ride a donkey? <laughs> well, uh, Andrew, you did not ride a donkey. We got one liar in the crowd. <laughs> And so they found out when they had to go, they were going to travel this far to get back to his hometown uh, for the census on a donkey. He was from the royal line of David. The first part of chapter 1 of Matthew gives out this lineage all the way down from David to Joseph. And, and, and so legally, even though Joseph was not Jesus' uh, you know, paternal father, legally in the Jewish culture, he was part of the lineage of David to fulfill prophecies from the Old Testament. Joseph was a carpenter by trade. It didn't mean he built houses. It meant he was a woodworker, stone worker. He could have built furniture. He could have built, you know, uh, cute little Hobby Lobby signs. I don't know. Like, he, was, he just worked with wood, all right? He, he was a poor man. We know that later when they go to the temple, they bring a turtle dove instead of a lamb, and that's what someone would bring when they couldn't afford a lamb. Uh, we think most of what I could read and figure out, it's, uh, uh, it's likely that Joseph was probably a teenager, maybe around 17 years old. Some of you in here may be that age. Maybe you're not far from that age. And so you can sit on that for a minute. The person that we're talking about this morning uh, was probably in his late teens. We also know he was a devout keeper of the law. He was a religious person. Um, and he was Jewish. So, this morning I got three headlines, three kind of notes. If you take notes, outline, if you, want to, if you want to go ahead and mark those down that we'll talk about in this passage, we're going to look at three things. One, we're going to look at Joseph's dilemma, we're going to look at Joseph's dream, and Joseph's decision. And we're going to see how that, if it fits into our life uh, at all. Uh, the first thing we find, and we're going to read this passage, let's just start working our way through it. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. Uh, it, it says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. Isn't that a cool sentence? Man, didn't you just glad to read that sentence? This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man, and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Two verses, and we found Joseph right in the middle, right square in the middle of a dilemma. A dilemma that he's got to make a decision about, and, and it's a dilemma that I think you can see and understand. I don't have to go into the, the details of it, but, but if, if I give you just a little bit of background context here in the Jewish uh, tradition, um, there, there would be early on in their life, uh, the parents would say, you know what, I think Mary and Joseph would be good together. And they kind of talk about that together. And when they were younger, it's like, all right, Mary and Joseph, these are the two we're going 
We're going to get them married. And then there came a season later in their life where they would technically get betrothed or engaged, and it was kind of a formal, public Mary and Joseph, they had engagement photos, they were on Facebook, they went up to the airport, all that stuff. And the world knows Mary and Joseph are going to get married. And from that point, it was usually about a year until the wedding. This is the time we find Mary and Joseph in between this public announcement and their formal wedding. In the Jewish culture, in that season, in order for them to break up, they couldn't just break up and you know, change their Facebook status. This was like it took a, uh, it took a, a legal action. It, it was, it was the, the world knew you all are getting married, and for you to separate, it took a divorce already at that point. And so this is the dilemma that, that Joseph is in. It says he's a righteous man. He's, he's got married. He's betrothed. He's engaged. He's going to be getting married soon. And she comes to him and says, hey, uh, uh, Joseph, I, I'm pregnant. And Joseph knows this is not his baby. Now, now we, we can act and, and we can talk. There, there's, there's probably uh, not far removed in this room either someone, this was your story. Some of you, maybe this has been your children's story. But, but she says, I'm pregnant. And, and he says, well, it's not mine. I know that. And so he begins, he's in this dilemma to, to decide and choose to believe her because uh, he finds out that, that she says she was that, that God is the Father, that's miraculous, that she doesn't know how this happened. That, 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 and so Joseph's got to hear this, all right, are you with me? You're 17 years old, your fiancé comes to you and says, hey, uh, me and God's having a baby. <laughs> okay? So you get put into this dilemma, and Joseph is in this dilemma. He's a man just like I'm a man, and, and, and so he's hearing this, he's thinking, that's uh, obviously, he's like, I ain't buying it. And he's like, so you and me, we're going to get divorced. And he's going to do the right thing. But we find that, that, that in life, sometimes you can do the right thing the wrong way. And you do the right thing the right way. And so he did not immediately react to this and be like, I cannot believe you've done this to me. I'm going to ruin your name. I'm going to tell everybody. I'm going to divorce you openly. Tell the world what's gone on to you. He had compassion on Mary. I think that's so powerful to see in him. That he cared enough to be like, I love you. I care I, what you've done to me. I'm not going to stand for it. Uh, but I'm going to do my best to give you opportunity going forward. Man, aren't you God, glad God sees you that way? Then he says, I'm going to do the right thing. He, said, I'm gonna, he, he says he's going to put her uh, away. He's going to divorce her quietly and as much behind the scenes as he could. He couldn't really do it. You had to have a witness. Word was going to get out. But he was going to do the best he could. Don't you hate overzealous tattlers? That when they have the opportunity to do the right thing, they just tell the whole world. They just like he could have been that guy, but he wasn't. There's a lesson there from Joseph that we can do the right things uh, the right way. We find in this this little passage, these first two verses also referenced Isaiah seven fourteen. This prophecy is being fulfilled. It said the Messiah would be born of a virgin, that it would be a miraculous birth. Joseph didn't catch that just yet. But we see his dilemma. Are you with me in his dilemma? 
And what I, want, what I want you to see is every day in our life, we step into dilemmas. Every day you're faced with it. I'm, I'm faced with it as a pastor at church. And a dilemma looks like something like, I don't know exactly what the truth of this fact is. Did You're telling me one thing, but I don't know if it's true or not. Or maybe I understand all the facts, but it's just so confusing, it's complicated, we don't know the right thing to do. Like, I don't know what the right thing is to do in this situation. I don't know, I don't know, we, me and Chris, we make decisions, like, it's all day long. We're deciding from what sermon series we're going to preach, to who's going to do this in this classroom, and who, like, it's just decision after decision. You get into these dilemmas, though, where you're like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Maybe you're there. Maybe you're there with your family. Maybe you're there at work. Maybe you're there in life and just trying to figure out your purpose and all that, you know, stuff. And you're just in this dilemma where you're like, I don't know the next step. I don't know what to do. So what do we do? See what happens to Joseph. Verse 20, it says, as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Let me stop there for just a second. This will help you know if you're in a dilemma or not. And when you are, is if it's a thing that when you lay down at bed, you lay down to bed at night, and it just keeps repeating. Like it's the thing from that day or that situation that you just can't stop thinking about. It says he considered this, so he was, he was laying down and he was getting ready to drift off and it was just he couldn't get it out of his head. And it says that as he considered this, angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Spoke to him and said, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For your child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. See, this happens in our life when we get in a dilemma. We're like Joseph, and he's, he's, got, he's got his plans. He's made a plan. I'm in this dilemma. I've planned it out. The best thing I can do, I think, is just put it away quietly. And then we find that God challenges those plans. And he speaks to him. He sends an angel to speak to him. Wouldn't you? I mean, I wish it was that clear for me in the dilemmas I get into that I just go down, I'm worried about, and have a dream. And God's like, here's what you do. Go forward. And then you wake up and you go. But where do we get that kind of guidance? Joseph gets this guidance, but where can we find that same guidance for our own lives in a dilemma? Um, what I want you to see here is this truth that God still speaks to you. That God still speaks. And when you wonder what would God say, the, the, the first source, the first place to go get guidance from is, is right here. Like inerrant, spoken truth, wisdom and guidance in a lot of life situations. Things that you don't need to pray about are answered right here. As an example, I had this guy come to me one time and he said, Jared, I'm having a really hard time. I'm in a dilemma. All right? He didn't say that exactly, but it's basically what he said. He said, I'm, I, I love my wife and, and my kids, but I also love my girlfriend. Real story, real conversation, right? And, and so, so if, we, if we listen to the culture... Okay, you with me for a minute? If we listen to the culture, we think about the Lifetime movies or the Hallmark movies. We say, man, you're in a hard spot. You love two people. 
let me, let's just pray about this. Which, no, you don't. That, like that is a black and white. You don't need to pray about those clear guidance. You love your wife. God hates divorce. We know it happens. And there's restoration. There's power. God is all powerful. He can move in that in tremendous ways. But we know it is not God's will for, I, like, I, even myself for a second, like, for a split second, I was like, man, I'm, that's so tough. And I was like, whoa, no, you break up with your girlfriend and you love your wife fiercely. And you go tell her. And you be honest. Like, because sin has consequences. Like, it, it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be messy. But always the path forward is the next right thing to do. All right, so if you're in a mess, if, if you've started down a slippery slope, the, the best way out is to start doing the right thing and being honest right now at this point. Every bad decision from here just takes you deeper. And, and so we have that, this clear guidance that we know right from wrong, and we have guidance here. We also know that in, in life we can get guidance from spiritually mature friends. You can surround yourself with people. Who have, who have walked through life, who, who are close to God, who, 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 who can surround you and affirm things you're feeling or thinking and pray with you in it and struggle with you in it and cry with you in it. And, and, and we know that that's true. Proverbs 15, 22 says, Plans go wrong for lack of advice, but many advisors bring success. So if you're in this dilemma and you, you're starting to plan it out, man, surround yourself with some good people that you trust and listen and hear them out. Here in, in Joseph's dream, we find five things that are very clearly spoken to him. One, and I love this because if you look at, uh, you, you're trying to decide how to react or respond in this situation, uh, and, and you might, the thing is, as you look into the depth of why you feel the way you do, why you're struggling with this dilemma, this decision, 99% of the time it will be rooted in fear. Okay? Because you think about Joseph, he was probably afraid to divorce her publicly because it would make him look bad. He was maybe a, a, afraid to marry her because then maybe somebody would find out the baby's not really his and, and it's going to look bad on him. Or, or, or maybe his, his, in, his own insecurity had him afraid to do the, the hard thing. And so he was really just, at the core, he was afraid. And so if you look at your own situation and you look into what you're trying to step into and what God is calling into, you into, you will find that 99% of the time it's rooted in fear. Fear of being alone, fear of being embarrassed, fear of failure. I mean, you just go down that line, you're afraid. We're afraid. We get paralyzed by fear. And I love this. Almost every other time an angel appears to a group of people, they start out by saying, fear not, don't be afraid. And it's because the person is scared of the angel, <laughs> Right? Remember, that's what it's like. They're startled. It's like, whoa, there's an angel. Okay, and we don't know exactly what angels look like. I'm pretty sure they don't look like precious moments figurines <laughs> or precious memory, whatever those figurines are. But th there's something scary about an angel. Maybe it's just that they show up out of nowhere. But anyway, I'm off track. I'm not talking about angels. But what I love here, what I love here about this angel when he's talking to Joseph in this dream, he says, he says don't be afraid to step into your call. Oh, my God, that, like, is so good for me. It says, don't be afraid to go forward 
and take Mary as your wife. And we find the thing that was holding Joseph back from doing the exact right thing was fear. And so maybe that's some place that you're at this morning. That, that you can feel God stirring and, and moving you into a direction and a place. And, and you're paralyzed by fear. You're afraid to step into it. And I, I just want to reiterate what the angel says here. Do not be afraid to step out and follow and trust in Jesus. I want to talk just for a second about responding to react or reacting. Just uh, here, Here's a, one author said it this way. Responding is a spinoff from the word responsibility. It's considerate and deliberate. Reacting, on the other hand, literally means to meet one action with another one. You will be tempted to do that in life. It's immediate and it's rash. Reactions tend to go like this. Something happens, you panic. <laughs> You've been there? Something happens, you panic, then you proceed. Responses, and this is how Joseph acts, how he responds, tend to go like this. Something happens, you pause, you process, you plan, you pray, and then you proceed. How do you react to guidance? How do you react to encouragement? Are you surrounding yourself? Are you listening to advisors? Are you seeking support and help? Joseph gets five clear things here. One, the angel says, it's God's will for you to marry Mary. Go marry her. Simple, clear guidance. Then it says it confirms this truth that her pregnancy is supernatural. You don't have to be afraid of that. I want to tell you, Joseph, it's about to get real on planet Earth. <laughs> All right, you with me for a minute? Like, it's about to get real. All the things, the pro I know we've been quiet for 400 years. God has not spoken through a prophet. Right now, life is about to get real. It's a supernatural birth. Didn't have an ultrasound, but they could add a gender reveal after this. <laughs> all right, find out. The baby's going to be a boy. Are y'all happy? It's blue, all that. You know, could have... Could have shot a cannon. We find out, fourth, that the baby's already been named the foundation of time. We're going to name him Jesus, Joseph. You're going to have a baby. It's going to be a boy. You're going to marry Mary. We're going to name him Jesus. This little baby is going to be a savior. It's going to be born a king. Not a political king. And there'll be people get confused about that. But he's going to be, he's going to be setting up a spiritual kingdom. He's going to be a ruler. He's going to be all powerful. He's going to love like nobody's ever loved. And you're going to be his dad. Man, I'd have checked out at that point. That's a lot of pressure. Maybe it's no pressure if you're that dad, right? Like because Jesus is going to grow up and be perfect. And be sinless. But still, eventually in life, Jesus would refer to God as the Father, and the only really example he had, and we know we hear of Joseph and Jesus' life up to his 12 years old, and the only father that he could connect to or relate to would have been Joseph. 
that he had a dad that was there, and some of us had dads that were there. Some of you didn't have dads that were there. Some of you had dads that were there that you wish wouldn't have been. I don't know your story. I know each and every person that walked through that door has the hope of a heavenly father that can love like no earthly father can. So in this dilemma and this dream, he's received the guidance and he's given point. He said, go marry, marry, and the things I just said. So he had a decision to make. He had a decision to make whether to trust God and accept Jesus for who he was going to be in this baby and step forward in obedience or to turn away. We find that Joseph's life is forever changed, and, uh, and, and I'm going to skip 22 and 23. It just refers back to this being a fulfilled prophecy. But in verse 24, we find a verse anchored in the title of this sermon, a man of action. We don't know what Joseph woke up and said, but we know what he woke up and did. And so when you're faced with this decision and you're faced with Jesus and, and maybe you've never made the initial decision to follow him, but here it says, and Joseph woke up and he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. So from dilemma to dream to decision, we find that, that faith in what we believe is confirmed in the actions and the obedience that follows it. That our salvation doesn't hinge on obedience, but salvation transitions, transitions and transforms our behavior and calls us into obedience. Since when he woke up, he was obedient. You know, it's like, and sometimes we do this in life. He's like, all right, I choose you, Jesus. Now everything's going to be perfect. No, that's not how it worked out. Like, it got worse. Okay, he had to pack up on the donkey and go the 70 to 90 miles. And you know where they landed? Not the J.W. Marriott. Okay, like he, he stepped into obedience and life did not get perfect, but God gave him the power and the strength and the Holy Spirit was there with him. And we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. When we, when we choose to be obedient and follow, we have his power to give us the strength. So maybe as we wrap up here, you're in this place in your dilemma and you've said enough words. You've talked about it. You've complained about it. You've tried to act like you're this or that. And, and maybe it's a time to act. You want people to think you're just a, a, an amazing parent. Go be one. Be there. Show up. Uh, Caesar's here today. He's our trainer at the boxing gym. I love his heart for, for parents and, and connections. And, and, and he told me once, he said, uh, and he was, he's a great boxer. Um, I'm not saying was a great boxer. I think he still is. But he said, all the matches I remember my dad was at actions speak louder the words you want your children to respect you lead them well you want your spouse to brag about you to their friends give them something to brag about so we find these life lessons from joseph you want a promotion or raise at work stop complaining about the manager and leadership and how things should be and what be and just serve faithfully as unto the lord action. We find these life lessons. We also find an eternal life lesson. That in this, the very act of Jesus being born is an act. 
Jesus could have, God could have easily just wrote in words that, you know, I love y'all. Human population, there's a love letter, I love you. You know, we could get in here every Sunday morning and say, man, we love Pikeville, we love our neighbors, we love everybody here, we just love Pikeville, and then we go for the week and not do anything about it. We could just every Sunday, just don't you love people? We love you. Y'all still here? I'm about finished. Y'all love people? We could say we love Pikeville, or we could say let's do for one for 50 people. We could say let's hire people that, that maybe wouldn't get a job otherwise at Faith Life Market. But we could go to the boxing gym and we could find kids that may not have a dad or a mentor or otherwise and do that and be that for them. We could step into to, to the flooding and, and deliver campers and be present and be active. And, and, and while Joseph is a man of action, we can be a church of action because God is a God of action. Because he said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever would believeth upon him would not perish but have ever lasting life. That's the most important decision we will ever make. And Joseph gives us, he sets by example as he accepted Jesus for who he was going to be a savior and he stepped in to his call. There's a short story once. Uh, there was two farmers in Kentucky and uh, they had horses, and they were constantly kind of racing each other, and they were getting ready to race again at the steeplechase. Their two horses were going to be racing in this race. And they were very competitive, and one of the farmers decided at this race, he said, today, this time, I'm hiring a professional jockey. And so he hires this professional jockey and, and doesn't tell the other farmer, and they get to the race, and, and he thinks, I've got the competitive edge this time. I've got real talent. I've got a professional jockey on my horse. And so they, they start racing the race and, and close to the end, both they're in the lead and they're competing, they're back and forth and, and, and both horses end up like they're so competitive, they end up falling. They all, the jockeys fall off the horses, but this professional jockey is a professional. So he, he jumps back on the horse and, and he crosses the finish line and still wins the race. That's how far ahead they were. And he's like so he's so excited, he's celebrating, and, and he gets around uh, to, the, to the barn to meet the farmer, and the farmer's irate, like mad at him. He's like, why are, you, why are you mad? We just won. He said, you climbed back on the wrong horse. <laughs> See, we're all running a race and eventually going to come to a finish line. And none of us want to get there and realize we've been riding the wrong horse. Nobody wants to get to the end and be like, we don't want to ride the horse of religion our entire life. We don't want to ride the horse of new beginnings or, or, or Jared. Or, or what if you ride, uh, some people will ride this horse of, 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 uh, of, um, uh, of just unbelief. And God or agnosticism or just, I don't really know. You're going to ride that horse your own, your whole life, and you're going to come to a finish line. And there's only one horse that crosses. And it started as a baby in a manger. New beginnings can't save you. Jared can't save you. One man, one name, who was creator in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God and was with God that came and walked among his created. 
God, as we get ready for one last song of response and time here, we just pray as um, you stir in our hearts and draw us to you through, through dilemmas and troubles and trials in our life and as you speak to us through your word and, and, and spiritual friends. You pray, we pray you open our hearts to guidance that we would hear, that we would respond. That, that not only would we respond, that we would be able to make decisions. God, decisions that lead to action of, of integrity and honesty, of obedience to you, of humility, of surrender. God, as Joseph was a man of action, so let us be. Let us be a church of action. Thank you that you didn't just tell us you loved us, you've shown us. You've shown us in the cradle to the cross and to the empty tomb that you've invited us all to be your children. God, let us be a light. Let us show our neighbors. Let us be the salt of the earth. Let us be light and darkness. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.